He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. Okay, Kelsey, we're back. Welcome okay. back to your second Slick Talk episode. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Less nervous this time. Good, 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 good. I, <laughs> I want you to be less nervous. This is fun for me because we're highlighting great guests, but then I also get to show off the team behind the scenes. It's not just me doing everything. So to have your face and your voice on the show is always a, always a perk. I guess for all the listeners, I want to know what was your, from the month that we just did, do you have a favorite? I, I hate playing the favorite game, but I always want to know. Did you have a favorite at all? I do. I really enjoyed Jesse Vasquez's podcast. Mm. He Tons just had a lot to say, a lot of sharing from his past, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Jesse Vasquez. And for all the listeners, potentially if you're new or if maybe you haven't listened to an episode or two in a while or didn't hear last month's monthly recap, the whole point of this episode is to highlight the favorite moments and the kind of the clips from the past episodes that just happened. And so what Kelsey and I are doing is kind of just sharing our favorites and kind of talking about them briefly to make sure you get the best like cliff note version, encouraging you to go listen, obviously, to the full episode. But I loved Jesse's as well. Jesse has just been one of those cool guys I've been able to follow over like COVID and kind of coming out to now that how the world's open back up again and you know all this stuff. And just one of the coolest dudes to, to hear his story and how vulnerable he was on that episode. I definitely had moments of reflection at the end where I was like, damn, yeah. this guy's cool. Yeah, <laughs> so I agree. I personally like... A personal favorite for all the listeners, Traverse. He was a winner of our Destination Air Award at the Book Direct Show in 2022 in Miami with Damien Sheridan. Shout out, Damien, if you're watching or listening. And I just, I've gotten to know Traverse pretty, pretty well. And I just love his story. Like, such an adventurer to now being a full time entrepreneur and father, husband. Like all this stuff from a solo guy who was traveling Bali and doing all these crazy adventure stories to now like settling down, but still carrying on the adventure with his family is like, all right, goals, goals right there. That's Yeah, it. <laughs> I was going to say that's a close second because I was listening to his traveling story and I just don't have that adventurous spirit. So I was like, wow, that is, that's pretty insane. His, what he yeah. was doing by himself. That's crazy. hundred <laughs> percent. Hundred percent. Like I lived in Mexico last year for a month, and I like never left the certain comforts. So I was like, I'm not doing that type of adventure. I'll adventure a little bit, but not not enough to 
have someone teach me a, how to do a boat and then just go down this like Amazon river, like hell no. So for all the listeners, go check out Travers's episode for all of his crazy stories, which was, which was awesome. But basically what we're going to do in this episode, Kelsey, uh, we're going to play a clip. It's going to be Jason Reese first. So Jason is a full-time investor now and operator based out in Nashville. And I met Jason at the SDR wealth conference and the hence leading into this this podcast episode that we did to kind of hear a story of leaving the nine to five, especially a very comfortable nine to five where you're kind of given the golden spoon. And he talks a lot about that in this clip is going to go into, you know, what do you want your life to look like when it, you get to reflect after all the decisions you've made leading into basically what he said, you know, your deathbed. So pretty intense conversation, but I truly loved his mindset around it. So Kelsey, if you're ready, let's play the clip. I know you've been exposed to entrepreneurship in your early childhood days. So was there something from that kind of growing up experience that really helped push you forward? Or where would you say that really came from? I think that because I've been exposed to entrepreneurship and I sort of had that as a kid, that motivated me to look deep inside to, to really ask the question of, do I ignore this itch any longer? And what I found with that really turned out to be pretty, pretty deep going through that conversation with myself. And because I was on this well-established career path and I felt like I was in this really great space or place from a professional standpoint and I had great relationships and reputation and all these things that I was proud of. And did I really want to rock the boat or was it really worth changing up yeah. everything. The reality was, is that while I really fell in love with my career in those first several years, it had changed a bit in recent years. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board of my life and I was like, okay, let's go back to the basics. Let's go like really go back to like the foundation of my time on this earth and how I want to spend it. Like if I'm going to build out a life, what is it going to look like? Not going to look like what it currently is. That part I knew. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to work until 7, 8 PM most nights during the week and feel like I'm under an immense amount of stress most days of the week. That just isn't what I wanted. So I knew that, but I did also didn't know like, is now really the time to, to pursue this? So I had the idea to talk to people who are older, wiser than me and to get their advice. But that kind of, I don't know, that kind of shifted into or grew into this idea of talking to people whose time has run out, like yeah. talking to people who are on their deathbeds, say at a nursing home where they literally go there to die. And they, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are aware of this fact. And so. We tend to think of our lives on this timeline where, you know, most of our life is ahead of us. So we're like, we have all these ambitions and all these plans and like, maybe I can do this, then I can do that. And then this, and then maybe I'll get married and then maybe I'll have kids. And then maybe I'll have this business and I'll make X amount and then I'll do this. And that. So you have all this time to fit in all these things. But what happens if you think about that the other way around where you're at the end of that line? And 
the life that you're given is over. Mm -hmm. And you have to have like a really honest, I think, emotional introspection to, to do this, I think, the right way. Because if you don't evoke some kind of emotion, like thinking about it, like even just getting chills or like feeling like it's a heavy subject, then you're probably not doing it right. Because we only get one life, right? And if we are on our deathbed or in the place that we know we're going to have our last breaths, and we're able to talk to ourselves and say, wow, that was it. That was my, that was the hand I was dealt. That's the hand that I played. I want to be able to look at that in retrospect and know that I left it all on the table. I did the things that I wanted to do, the things that compelled me to do them so that when I die, I can truly rest in peace. I don't <laughs> want to feel like I missed out because I was scared to do something because I was uncomfortable. And so that. That conversation with myself led me to, I didn't have to go to the nursing home to interview these people because I knew what the answers would be. And it's pursue what it is that you want to pursue. And at the end of the day, if it didn't work out, if I failed, first off, who cares? Second off, if it didn't work out and I went back to my old line of work, this experiment is just a blip yeah. on the timeline. So the fact that you've like, or that we want to try and make an argument for not doing something that takes up maybe one to 2% of your life's timeline. And you think that's enough reason to never find out a lot of people think that way. And I mean, I did for a while, but you know, a lot of people are scared to take the risk and to fail, but Instead of asking what happens if I try and fail, asked what happens if I try and I don't. And so when you think about life and some of those things in those different perspectives, I think that it can really help put things in perspective for people. If there's something, whether it be Airbnb or some other venture that they just have interest in, I mean, I just encourage everybody to really put things into perspective and, and prioritize and ultimately execute. Kelsey, I need your, I need your thoughts right out the gate. What, what also you, for the listeners, you picked this clip, mm -hmm. you picked it personally. So I want to know, yeah. give me, give me the thinking. It evoked a lot of self-reflection and the main theme in what he was saying is YOLO basically, you know, and what do you want? You know, I always think about that because a lot of times like back in school, we visited senior homes and it was just very sad. And then it makes you think, what did they do in life or do they have any regrets? I love listening to like my grandma's caretaker and she tells me that she has regrets. And I'm like, really, you do? What is it? So mm -hmm. I love learning from like older people, but just like taking a look into your life even if it is uncomfortable, are you happy with where you're at? And do you need to reassess and reevaluate and change things around to be on the path that you ultimately want to live? Yeah. I think like sometimes comfort brings this sense of, I don't want to say delusion when this, we don't pay attention, but maybe puts on blinders and we just kind of get into this rhythm. Right. And sometimes being uncomfortable and making decisions and re changing your whole trajectory can really be really, really, really good for you. And I, I, 
I wrote down in my notes just for something I said is I would rather try something and fail than not try something and potentially could have succeeded because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you fail, who cares? Yeah. And one thing I'm learning through business, especially like my first business was a complete failure. Like I got cars repoed. Like it was not a good situation to like where we are today with HFM and everything else going on. You know, I think there's more people out there that want you to succeed than anything. So you should just try because there will be people that support you. And if they don't support you, they're probably just giving you sound advice. Hey, this is probably a bad idea. Yeah, It's probably just, you need to rethink about the, the decision instead of the one that you're currently on. So that was a big, a big takeaway for me. I liked, I liked that moment with that one. All right. So back to Jesse in this clip, I, I won't give it away, but I think it goes in a similar theme with Jason, right? Like trying at least trying. So I want you to, I want you to, I want you to play it for all the listeners. Think about, you know, when you were in high school or middle school doing like soccer or football or some sport, right? Like always nailing it down. Like I, at that moment right there, I was like, ah, oh, dude, I get it. I get it. So I'm not going to give up too much, but Kelsey, let's, let's roll it. I, I want to correct you on some self-talk over here. You're not stupid. You're not an idiot. <laughs> you're a smart dude, obviously. And so you know, what did that do for you? And I'm, I'm kind of curious because as a, as a man specifically, I want to have a family. I know, I, I know what I want. I know I, I want to have a wife. I want to have a kid and, or kids. I want to do like, I want to have that. I, I know I do. So yeah. what did that also do for not just you from that mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm stupid. I didn't graduate da, 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 da. and then to having now a daughter who gets to see her dad live such a wild and amazing example of, like you can literally do anything, even if it means not going down the normal route that everyone expects you to to go down. Yeah, well, I think having my daughter woke me up to realize like this is not about me anymore. Because just like a lot of us, and even people that are you know that have kids, like they're it's about them a lot of the times. And once my daughter was born, like I realized like if I can't take care of myself, how am I going to take care of this other little human? You know, mm-hmm. she's relying on me. She's dependent on me. Again, this is going back to the childhood. My parents, my dad worked his ass off his entire life, like got a degree. He's one of the only kids out of 10 to get a college education. So that was the other thing, too, is like my dad was this like formal brain, like super smart guy, like new freaking Jeopardy, all the answers. Like he was one of those kind of guys. Like you're just like, how yeah. the fuck does this guy even know this stuff? <laughs> and and then for me to not go that same route of going to college to do all those things. So that already put me in a mindset like I'm I'm probably not the right person to like do these things. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to rewind this a little bit. I skateboarded a lot in my childhood. And if you guys are familiar with skateboarding at all, or anybody understands that it's like you do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, where you're just trying to land like one trick. If I didn't have that like mentality of trying to do something and failing and continue to do it hundreds of thousands of times, like I think that that was such a big part of the, the, the growth for me is being able to do something over and over and failing and then landing it and then moving on to the next one, the next one, that was a, a skill that I learned. And that anybody can, that was in sports has the same mentality, right? It's the same kind of thing. But I think there's something about failing so many times and then finally sticking it, landing it, whether that's a movement, an inch different on your foot path or your, you know, a, a, your, your foot weight on a different part of the board at a certain time. It's just those little tiny movements are incremental and they, it's what makes you land that trick eventually over time. I have that I had that same mindset going into things where I'm going to try stuff. I know I might fail, but I'm going to continue to do it. So once my daughter was born, I was kind of like that kick in the ass. It's like, dude, you got to figure stuff out. You got a job right now. You see where this David Spade lookalike guy is walking around driving these BMWs, you know, high fiving everybody. Everybody loves them. 
you know, and then having that, like, I want to do that kind of thing. And what's the skill that that one dude had? And he was able to talk, have people know, like, and trust him. And I think mm -hmm. if there's anything that anybody can do, like one thing that you can like the one skill is be able to have people know, like, and trust you. And I know that probably sounds like, how do you do that? Well, if you just read one book, how to win friends, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. If you just have that one book and you study the crap out of that book, and that's the only book you're able to read, that's literally the one skill that you need to be able to build like a fantastic business. It doesn't matter what you're going into. This is going to teach you how to connect people. And I think that is so, so important. Okay. So you also, actually, you, I'm just going to say, you picked all of these clips and yes. I'm very happy that you did because moving has been crazy. So this has been a huge <laughs> help. Appreciate you so much. I want to know like why, why this clip out of Jesse? Cause he also had a couple interesting, you know, moments of reflection through his childhood and other stuff. So let's, let's dive in. Give me your thoughts, Kelsey. I really liked his skateboarding analogy and I'm not into skateboarding, but I can understand I did sports my whole life growing up. So just going and going until you land this one trick or until you accomplish this one thing. And I think it relates again to Jason Reese's and that you can get into all these different things as long as you just try and you keep going at it. One day you're going to be successful in something, even if it's just like a little bit of it or part of it. If you just keep going, you know, you'll get there. Yeah. I just saw a post today. It's like, it's never too late to start it's only one decision away. And then I had a list of example of like CEOs or founders, you know, Henry Ford, he didn't start until he was 41. Like, mm -hmm. okay. A lot, I think a lot of people I'm, I'm younger, but I know a lot of people like, especially my parents age, you know, they're, they're just now starting like this adventure. Like they retire and they start like a side business that actually blows up. And now they're basically doing more than they've ever done. And they're in their sixties and they're, they're killing it. I don't think, you know, a lot of us, I think have the society pressure of to get, you know, go to college, get married, buy a house, have the dog, get, have the family, do the things very young and then retire and do all the stuff. Like I just, I don't know. I personally don't believe that's the way it needs to be. So just do it when it feels right. Yeah. yeah, I get that societal pressure, especially when you get into your 30s. But then mm. I think both of my parents, they got into their career jobs when we were in like second and third grade. So mm. eight, nine years old. And I was like, oh, we have time. That's like close yeah. to 40. I have time. We're all good. <laughs> and hopefully you're at your career job. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to keep you for a long time, Kelsey. So <laughs> trying, to, trying to have you here for forever. As long as we're running the podcast and the network, you're here. Hopefully. That's good Don't to know. Me. <laughs> just kidding. I know that's so it's so true. And yeah, there's there's so much I can go into it. But that's a good highlight. All of you listeners, all of us in at least from what I know of the slick talkers that tune in. We're all in this business. We're all in this industry for a reason. We have a lot of reasons why if you're actually watching this episode or listening to this episode, Friday, September 1st, I posted something on my LinkedIn about my why and there's multiple reasons why you don't have to I think we kind of get caught up in the, and you hear this Kelsey, I'm sure you know, what's your why? Who's your avatar? All this stuff. But I've, I'm learning there's multiple reasons why. I have so many reasons why I, I do what I do, good and bad. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm human. But a lot of the good reasons of why, you know, you know, one of them is my niece who like I had the opportunity to take care of for a little bit. There's, you know, my brother, there's a whole bunch of reasons. I think we all have reasons. And so, you know, use that and feel and don't like feel guilty for it and and just try and and it's never too late, like you said. So Great lessons for hospitality and just business entrepreneurs in general. So now going to Travers, we talked about his travel stories. 
we talked about his, his craziness. And so in this episode, I kind of asked him the question and in this clip that you're going to hear, you know, what do you do when you feel stuck when you're starting a business? Cause I definitely felt that. And Kelsey, I know you have experience with doing like social media stuff outside of HFM and, and everything. So I know there's moments we all feel stuck and I think this is a good, a good reminder. So you want to roll the clip for anyone listening. What advice would you give them when it comes to building a business that doesn't require a mandatory, you need to be here every day, no matter what you can't do this. You can't like a lot of us, I think, especially I got into business without listening to the four hour work week and without knowing Tony Robbins or Gary Vee or any of these influential business people in the world as well. So I just kind of was like, Oh, like I have an idea. This would be fun. Let's figure it out. And right. failed along the way a couple of times. And now here we are today, but you know, what advice I guess would you give for anyone starting or even who's been running their own business and just feels stuck? Like I would love to know how you would kind of approach that from a different, maybe perspective or lens if you didn't have the opportunity to start the way you did. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's easiest if you set up the process when you're first starting out, right? Mm -hmm. If you have the mindset of, Hey, I'm going to have this business working for me instead of me working and being like the main part of the business. So if you have that goal in mind from the beginning, then, you know, it's way easier. It's a lot harder to do once you build the business around yourself and then decide that you want to like take some time away from it. I mean, usually when that's the case, the option is to basically to sell the business. So, I mean, there, there's plenty of books to read. I think there's one called Profit First, maybe. There's a couple that I've read that, that are really good that talk about basically changing that around once you have the business started to pull yourself out of it. But yeah, I mean, basically just hiring people that you trust and working with them. And I mean, I've gotten really lucky with some of the people that I've hired that are able to basically take things off on their own and figure them out without having to come to me. So I think that's probably a big part of it is hiring the right people and just building the processes the way that you need to be without you involved fully, right? Go into it, Kelsey. I need, I need your, you're like, you just, you kill it. So slay. Thank you. And give, give, the, give, the, give the listeners some, some insight. What I really liked about what he said was having the business work for you as a business owner, not you working for the business. And also he talked about hiring right. And if you hire right and train somebody right, you won't have to be so involved in what you're doing. Yeah. And that's how I feel a lot about working for Hospitality FM is that it's a very independent role. I feel like I don't have to lean on you as much. Of course, when I was like new, I was asking you all these questions yeah. and you're very friendly. Thank goodness. You know, I'm not afraid to ask my boss questions, <laughs> but it's like working for a place where you feel like you're valued and you were given the tools that you need to succeed. I don't have to lean on, you know, my boss too much. And I feel like on the flip side of that, you want to have the trust in your workers. So I feel, you know, just having what, like what he said, the business work for you and you're not so stressed out about micromanaging everything. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of timely because we just had a, a, a company call with Steve Trover and we went over all of our PI testing. So anyone listening, if you haven't heard of Steve Trover or Better Talent, go to them immediately for whether you're hiring or not, like building the right team. One, I think I've been very blessed with because you, Claire, Michael, 
Ginny now have been such, it's been a pretty insane. We're not having turnover. We're not having, you know, all this like hiring and like firing, hiring and firing cycle and going over our PI tests and seeing like how we all work together and can communicate better. Um, I never had that as a job, you know, and I think it's just so important as Steve said on our, on our team meeting today was more of, you know, the right people in the right seat. Like you could be a salesperson for 16 years in the business and find out that you're actually better to be a, a product subject expert and helping the salespeople close deals better. Who would have, who would have thunk that? So I think what I'm learning with you and you kind of got baptism by fire because <laughs> it was like, I think the way I remember it, you went on your honeymoon. You had your wedding, your honeymoon. By the time you got back, I was off to Barcelona and then Florida the, like mm -hmm. a week later or the day after I got back from Barcelona. So like I wasn't able to like, all right, Kelsey, on board and let's go over all the stuff. And I kind of had to rely on the team. So thankfully it was so nice. I think that was an aha moment for me just personally within the business. I've never had like that freedom, but also as a founder or a CEO or whatever the title we want to give myself, I, I never want to be like a micromanager. I already have too much on my plate as is. <laughs> I don't like want to like chase after people. And so it's just been, I'm very thankful, very thankful for one for Steve helping us like go through the PI, but then also for the team and like the ability that we've been able to have with each other to be very independent, but come together and collaborative on the big stuff. So yeah, just thankful for you guys, you know? It's been, yeah. it's been a blessing. When I, when I describe this job to people, they're like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I work for the company that I would have wanted to run too. You know, like mm. you set this company to be like the best place that you'd want to work too. And that's 100%. how it feels. I'm like, I feel, I never feel like pressured or stressed to do something. And even in our initial call, like when you were first offering me the job, I remember you saying, and I don't want to put you into things that you're not comfortable with doing. Let me know where, where you want to go and I'll make tasks based on that. And I was like, I've never had anybody envision that for me. They're, it's just, here's a task, go for it. And I'm like, whoa, I have a say. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> well, as I'm learning though today, you like a little bit of structure, but you also like the flexibility okay. from, so yeah. I think, you know, being able to like, I'm, I'm not good at that. So to be able to write like a job description, which I think I kind of, you know, praise God for chat GBT because I really <laughs> ran it through that stuff. I was like, what does a podcast producer do? <laughs> what's their, what's their role look like? But yeah, no, it's just been, it's been fun and I, it's been fun to work and build with you. So it's been, it's been a good, good fit. So for all the listeners out there, it is hiring is not scary. You can do it. <laughs> and having a team is actually a lot of fun. I don't feel like I'm handholding or babysitting and creating more work, basically, which going into more work, Dale Smith, holy crap, this guy talking about doing a million things at once. You know, they own this. So for all the listeners, Dale Smith, SDDE group out in the UK, basically they vertically integrate all of their properties into this group of companies from lawyers to accounting, to cleaning, to anything you think of furniture design, all the above. They're all different businesses, solo and separate that can take outside of the industry clients, but then they all come together for one purpose. And that's to, you know, profitable, make their portfolio more profitable as they're scaling. And they're doing like 30 million in revenue this year. The goals are to hit a hundred plus impressive. I got to meet this guy in Barcelona, speaking of when Kelsey, you were first joining and it was so fun to share the stage. So to, to have him one-on-one -on -one and not have to like 
you know, go over panelist questions. It was, it was really nice. So let's play the clip hear about, you know, Dale's vision for five years in the future with this business. And we'll come back and discuss our thoughts after. How do you plan to be successful in that future that you see? And this kind of goes in that conversation was the five year, you yeah. know, the five, next five years of short-term rentals that we get to have with Steve Davis. So love yeah. to know kind of where do you guys see yourself, you know, taking this industry, especially in Europe? There's, there's loads of that stuff that's going to enhance process, enhance margins, enhance customer service, but then also it comes back down to the people. And the one bit that I believe we miss all of the time and we don't talk enough about is what we're doing around housekeeping and linen and maintaining these properties. Cause those are the ones that if anything are going to stop the growth of our industry. Cause if we haven't got a housekeeper to clean the property then we can't operate. And I see a huge gap in our industry. We've got, again, technology solutions out there trying to bridge some of this gap between on the ground housekeeping supply and property managers, but no one's truly done anything around those on the ground services and actually trying to consolidate and manage those on the ground services. Cause that's the key to growth in the industry or growth from a property management point of view is being able to deliver that. I see that as our kind of USP over the coming years is we want to continue to do that. So we look at our current model, we employ over 175 housekeepers directly, like they're on our payroll paid by us on a weekly basis. We will continue to scale that. We have two people who all they do all day, every day is recruit housekeepers. It already is the biggest employee department in our business. As an industry, it seems to get left out all the time. And it's actually the hardest part of what we do. The problem is it's not as quite as nice and cool and shiny and glamorous as all the rest of it. I think in terms of that, we will see that consolidation. I think we'll see something happen around that space. We have to, because we're seeing unit count increase. Resource on the ground is getting harder. So we're going to see something happen at that point in time. There's going to come a tipping point. All right, Kelsey, we've talked about this multiple times, I think on the podcast, but you picked this clip for a specific reason in the sense of like the frontline worker. So share me, share with your thoughts on all that. Yeah. So I listen to a lot of STR podcasts <laughs> just naturally. And one of the things that I feel like I I've heard mentioned a couple of times, but not too much, but Dale mentioned this and I thought it was so interesting that, you know, we have to place or STR hospitality people have to place an importance on housekeeping because they're the mm -hmm. frontline workers and they're essentially what's running the business because if you don't have a place clean then you can't host a guest and i was like that is so true and just comparing it to you know other customer service jobs that i've worked mm -hmm. i've worked for big corporations and they don't care about the frontline workers. And we bring these suggestions. Like I remember one time it was my first summer there and I went to the VP of merchandise and I asked her, Hey, do you think we can change the shirts? We were wearing these polos, these thick polos in the summer, walking mm. up and down stadiums, carrying like I was selling ponchos. Okay. It was so heavy. <laughs> and I was like, can we get like an athletic t-shirt? And she kind of like laughed at me. And then five years later, they got athletic t-shirts. And I was like, you know, I was bringing this concern because this is so uncomfortable for us to work in. And especially we have more of an athletic job compared to all the other people working here. Yeah. You know, you would think that you would listen, but I was just kind of like, oh man, like she scoffed at me. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that's that's insane, especially summertime heat, no matter where you are. Like summer, summer's hot. We all know that's the whole point of summer is to be warm outdoors, wearing your shorts, your flip-flops, doing whatever, going to games. Like, yeah, that's insane to me that, yeah, I, I can go on a rant with <laughs> speaking of bad bosses, you know, that's to me, 
you know, whether it's not even frontline workers and just housekeeping, I think you can take any business, right? You look at restaurants, your servers, your bussers, your dishwashers, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not the managers as much, but you know, the, the frontline, anybody, anyone that's doing the work that sucks, we all hate the work that sucks. And yet there's someone that has to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, I think Dale is right. And at the end of the day, I was talking to Jonathan Wicks over at well and good professional services and you know the stories this guy can share that go into you know the housekeepers and how they're treated within whether the contractor or not like whether your contractor or a w-2 employee you should be treated with respect and the ability to be comfortable at work because you are working a job that no one really wants to do unless you really love cleaning and it's like therapeutic for you i don't know a lot of people that truly are like, I can't wait to go work today because my boss doesn't provide like great material or cleaning supply or whatever. Like this is not a job that people want to do. And hence why our industry across the board hotels, short-term rentals, airlines, even restaurants, all the above, they're all struggling right now because of bosses probably scoffing saying, Oh no, mm-hmm. we don't need athletic tees. You're fine in a thick polo in the middle of 90 degree <laughs> weather. You can sweat. It's fine. Yeah. That's insane. So I agree with Dale and shout out to Jonathan Wicks as well, but that's it. So all the links are in the show notes. I want everyone, if you liked any of these clips, obviously go give the full episode a listen. Let us know what you think, Kelsey. I'm excited for our time together next month, trying to keep these episodes short as a, as a highlight for everybody. But yeah, outside of that, Slick Talkers, you know what to do. Go and subscribe, follow, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.